Hey friends, Brad and I started Batship because we needed someone to talk to about our bipolar. So when looking for a sponsor, BetterHelp was the obvious choice. BetterHelp provides access to therapists via text, via Zoom, via email, via phone call, 24 hours, seven days a week. I don't need to tell anyone how broken the American healthcare system is, especially when it comes to mental illness. But the beautiful thing about BetterHelp is that they'll work with you. Go to www.betterhelp.com backslash batshit. You'll get 10% off for the first month and you'll get someone to talk to right now. If you need to talk to someone, do it. Please. We love you. Welcome to Batshit, a frank and funny look at living with mental illness. While we touch on several mental illnesses, Batshit is focused on those along the spectrum of bipolar disorders. I'm your host, Adam. And I'm your other host, Brad. And we're both bipolar. So strap in and let's see how bad shit we really are. Spoiler alert, pretty damn bad shit. This episode's topic, parenting. And guess what? We have our guest back. Maggie Gwynn. Hi. So, so we record these uh, back to back and uh, Maggie has hung out after the postpartum and perinatal discussion because we're drinking and having a lot of fun <laughs> and so we were just talking and i was like fire up the mics because i'm probably fucking manic right now let's do it <laughs> look brad all of your best uh ideas happen when you're manic so just yeah. embrace it yeah just embrace it yeah i should I'll, I'll embrace it i'll embrace the gambling i'll embrace the the <laughs> cocaine the prostitution let's go yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> i always said you made a great prostitute Oh yeah, yeah, yeah! I like the way you turned that. <laughs> you, like you, flip, that? you flipped it. Yeah. Do you so, think you think I could like pull in a sizable second income there? Oh, totally. I mean, especially if you use your headshots. I mean, I'm sure you can rub some serious business. Brad, stop lying. We know you already have your OnlyFans account set up. We're not dumb. Uh, Fucking actor, Brad. <laughs> okay, so I am the only one in the room without human children. I have two fur babies. They do not count, and I'm going to recognize this at the top. Thank you for that. You're welcome. That's because- my number one pet peeve in Los Angeles. <laughs> it's like you start talking to somebody about your kids, and they're like, let me tell you about my lemur. Yeah. <laughs> there is. Uh, my sister lives in Europe, and one of her uh, friends spent a year in the U.S. just kind of traveling around and like experiencing the American culture. And when uh, he got back, a lot of his European friends were like, so what's one of the things that surprised you the most about um, – people in america and he goes the thing that surprised me the most is how people will say you have to meet my baby and it's a dog <laughs> <laughs> like yeah that yeah that tracks unless you're in east tennessee it's like you have to meet my baby and it's an ar-15 <laughs> <Fair enough. laughs> uh, but but okay so both of you have children uh, mm-hmm. uh maggie uh you're six and four yes that's correct oh, oh boy uh because i've known them uh let's see uh ten uh-huh. And eight. Seven. Damn. All right. <laughs> Just turned seven. Um, I, You know, Mandy and I are actually talking about having kids, hopefully, in the next couple of years. We're figuring all that out. Um, I, I'm not going to sit here and be like, tell me what to do. But I am super curious as people who are on medication, who have experienced very varying forms of mental illness. Talk to me about how... Your parenting styles have developed and evolved pre and post getting diagnosed and getting on medication. Does that make sense? Like, I'm super curious because both of you had children. You weren't on medication. You were learning about how to become a parent and how to 
you know, develop and raise this child. And then you started doing self-care, which got you on the medication, which then you still proceeded, obviously, to keep raising the children, except the eight that Brad just let wander off into the night. I thought it was ten. Oh, no, he has two left. Oh, he has two. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. There were, I I said 12 the last time, but that's because I'd taken somebody else's children. That's what I'm talking about. Okay. I I, I would just love to hear that journey because that's got to be mind blowing. What a lot of people don't realize is that nothing will make you look at your inner demons and your past (laughs) and your childhood wounds like having children. Oh, God. Sure. Yeah. Once you have children, especially, I I think, uh, Brad, correct me if I'm wrong, but like, personally for you, but I mean, having a girl for me meant something completely different than having a boy. Mm-hmm. And it opens up a whole new can of worms because you see ways in which you want to parent your child in which you may not have been parented. And conversely, mm. you want to parent your child in ways in which you were parented. Right, right. And, and you realize like all of these things start flooding in from your childhood that you thought were nicely tucked away and put <laughs> to bed. Yeah, that's, um, that's something that's been coming up a lot for me in therapy. Because my my childhood was a shit show. Um, so for those of you who haven't listened to me bring this up before, my, my mother died when I was like a month old from complications with my birth. I grew up being made to feel as though I killed her. Uh, my father went to prison, um, had a lot of physical abuse and neglect as a child. Um, so uh, this is why I've turned into such a wonderful, wonderful even keeled adult. So well balanced. I've always <laughs> yeah. said that about you. Yeah. Well balanced. Well balanced, you know. Um so uh having children, again, like you said, like I thought I dealt with all this shit. Like to me it was normalized. It was like this was just my childhood. This is my upbringing. You know, I'm I'm an adult now. I I've dealt with all this and then you you have these little innocent human beings pop out and they need your love and they need your care and uh all those emotions come out. Like I never so my, my my father had to watch my mother die, as as fun as that sounds. Um, and uh, he kind of went off the deep end, got heavy into drugs, ended up going to uh, state penitentiary for armed robbery. Um, went to a place, this is such an East Tennessee name for a penitentiary, Brushy Mountain. <laughs> sounds like something out of like fucking Andy Griffin. Right. Like, like, or a ski resort or something. Hey, Andy, we're going to head up to Brushy Mountain and play with the Foggy Bottom Boys. Um, but anyway, so... Uh, um, I had never, I had always told myself that, uh, I couldn't imagine what that would have been like for him, you know? And I kind of gave him, a, gave him a pass on that. It's like, I can't imagine what that would be like to go through until I had kids. Mm. And then I'm, I'm looking at my little boys and it's like, how, how could you leave a child? You know, like, I don't understand that. Like I, I look at them and suddenly I got, I got angry in hurt it's like what was wrong with me that he didn't want to stick around and raise me you know um so all those wounds just like rip right open uh for more fun and joyful conversation (laughs) no but but it's important that we talk about this i I mean like you were saying earlier maggie's like you see that how you were raised and you want to emulate some of that 
but you also want to stay as far away from it as possible. And, you know, we've talked about this off, I think, off uh, podcast, Brad, about how, like, our predisposition to bipolar is that something we're going to pass on to our children? Yeah, because that... they think that there's a genetic component to it. Oh, oh. Did your father, or does yep. your father also he's... have it, which lent to the yeah. reasons right. why he went off the deep end? Yeah, yeah he's never been diagnosed, but yeah. it would make sense. And and at the same time, how much of your upbringing and you know what you experience, the whole nature versus nurture thing, has has compounded, you know, your bipolar, like has you know the way you were brought up because we we talked about this recently uh you and i had very different upbringings yeah very different upbringings we're both bipolar <laughs> we're both bipolar i experienced none of the stuff you experienced yeah. at all and that's that's not me saying that um you have to go through what brad went through in order to feel like you've earned a mental illness or something yeah, no, along no, those lines no. of course not like everybody's different everyone's yeah. brain chemistry everyone's life experience is different but, but that's going to affect how it plays out. Exactly. You know, I think one thing that's been interesting uh, that's come up in therapy is some of the things that I did while manic, for instance, um, stem from all these issues I had in childhood. Mm-hmm. You know, these these abandonment issues, you know, not not having a mother figure and never feeling, you know. It sounds so cliche, but, you know, like I was never hugged as a child, you know, never getting any kind of affection. But see, even then, you know? like, and this is sorry to interrupt, but like even you just going that, like, I was never hugged. I'm like, that's a thing. Like, that's a big yeah. thing. Yeah. That's yeah. a big thing. You, 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 you should never feel shame about yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Like, because that's, it, we, we like physical touch. Physical touch is it's huge. So important. It's, it's so huge. important. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, and I went so much of my life without that. Mm-hmm. without having any kind of positive physical touch. And so I'd go into these manic states and like that became a thing. Like like uh, a term I came across recently was love bombing. Yep. You love know? bombing. What's that? It's Ooh, like if, love some, if someone's the target of your affection, <laughs> your spouse, or, you know, you just start seeing someone or you have a crush on someone or, right. you know, the male lady you stalk. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Berta. 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 Yeah. I like Berta. Yeah. Oh, I love Berta. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, uh, you basically, you know, you're you're constantly showering them with compliments and affection. Oh, you're buying them love gifts bombing. constantly. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so these kinds of things in an effort to get that in return. Okay. You know. Um, and so when I'd go into these states, I mean, I was just a, a, a needy motherfucker, <laughs> like for lack of a better term. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and it's interesting to see how that stuff kind of plays out in the context of whatever you're struggling with. Right. You know, because dealing with Obviously, you know, as we've talked about before, uh, the depression has been much worse for you than the mania. And, and Maggie's dealt with depression and how those those childhood scars are going to yeah. present in depression different than they will in mania. You know? Now, are you seeing any of these, like you were saying, now you are starting to recognize triggers. You're starting to recognize behaviors that are indicative of, like, starting to descend into a manic state. I mean, not descend, you escalate into a manic state and to yeah. descend into a depressive state. Are, are you seeing any of these or identifying any of these when it comes to while you're parenting? For lack, I, I mean, that's yes. not really clear, but no, yeah, I, I, understand, you know what I'm saying. I understand the yeah. question. I think I can answer that. So, yes. So I think something that happens for a lot of us, especially, um, you know, just uh, not necessarily women of – 
girls or men of boys, but when you see a behavior that your kid is exhibiting that is it's just it they trigger the crap out of you. <laughs> oh god, yeah. They trigger oh, god, you yeah. and bless their little baby innocent hearts. Like they don't know what they're doing, right? But they're doing something that is making some like childhood wound from 1986 go right. and you just like and my you know it'll make you just blow up but you can't blow up because they're a little baby or they're a little kid they're a little yeah. toddler you can't do that you know so and it makes you have to look at yourself and go what was that right. you know why did i just react like that she's crying and she's whining. Oh, she's whining. Oh, the whining. Why? <laughs> you know, but there are these things that like kids do that will just trigger you. And and I find myself like, I mean, that's something that I work on a lot is my reactivity. Because sure. the, the women in my family, God bless them, we're feisty, but we're very reactive. And that's one of the things like the Lexapro can do. It can help just like mute that reactivity a little bit so that it's not quite so over the top. Sure. And that's what I needed when I had kids because like my reactivity to my kids, for instance, my son would, you know, he's a little toddler, but she was a little baby and he would, he would love on her, but he would like grab her neck. Right. And I, it would, you go into mama bear mode trying to protect this baby, but then the mama bear that you're protecting him from is your other baby. And it's very yeah. conflicting. It's very conflicting. And and you're like, but wait, that's my baby too. <laughs> Hang on a second. <laughs> so like trying to figure out how to manage and stay calm. And like that's something that um, as a parent now that I'm trying to incorporate is more gentle parenting. That's like mm. a term you'll hear you know, if if you ever get into the Instagrams, <laughs> I'm into all the Instagram accounts of gentle parenting, responsive parenting, and mm. all about connecting with your children mm. as opposed to just like punishment and threats. And I find myself like giving threats of of like uh, ultimatums. You know, right. if you do this again, we're not going to do this. You know, you know and I'm like, why doing? am I doing that? <laughs> I've started doing threats that are so absurd. That my kids know that they're like not real, mm-hmm. and they start they stop whatever they're doing and they start laughing. Like they were they were like fighting the other day, and I was like I was like, all right, stop! If you guys don't stop right now, I'm kicking you out of the house. You're gonna have to go live on the street and fight coyotes. <laughs> <laughs> and they were just like, what? Coyotes? <laughs> but see, but that's fascinating to me, right? Because like you were saying, the women in your family are feisty. When your mother was raising you. Right? Like, she she was not. She was not. So that affected her yep. parenting style. Absolutely. And, this is, and that's not her fault. Like, right. not her fault. But it makes you think, like, now that you are on Lexapro, mm-hmm. is that going to take some of those natural inclinations that your mother, that you would have, you know, uh, uh, absorbed from your mother and be able to quash some of them? 100%, baby. Yeah. And, it, and it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing, yeah. you know. My husband and I joke we're 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 breaking we're breaking the wheel, right? Well, that's yeah. the, that, that's the goal. The goal is to like, yeah. do better than your parents did. That's yeah. it. Just do better than your parents. They did. They wanted to like, do better than their parents. Exactly. Yeah. That's how and it works. Yeah. Yeah. Like my my grandparents raised me, and they were you know from a different generation in Appalachia. They grew up in like the depression, <laughs> you know. Yep. Um, 
my grandfather was just this very angry man. You know, he worked like 16 hour shifts overnight, slept all day. The only time we ever saw him was when he'd come out because we were loud and like woke him up. And he'd like, I remember he always do this thing where he'd take his belt off and he'd fold it over itself and like yep. snap oh, it. Oh, yeah. 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 That sound. And, what uh, the fuck was that? Why do we all go, why, why, did, that why sounds did everybody know that? All three yeah. of us were just like, oh, <laughs> yeah, that <laughs> shit. Like he, yeah, he, he never actually hit me with his belt. It was just the threat of it. Yep. But there was constantly the threat of physical violence from that. And, and he would yell like weird. He'd, my favorite thing he'd yell is he'd be like, oh, by diddly damn. <laughs> um, Wait, was that a threat by Diddly Dam? That or? was just him cussing. By Diddly Dam, <laughs> that's fantastic. Uh, but uh, uh, but my grandmother, she'd beat the shit out of us. Mm. Like, um, uh, she was like old school country. Like, I, you'd have to go outside and pick go your pick own a switch. switch. Ooh. Yeah, or she'd just like hit you with whatever she had in her hand. I remember one time she hit me across the leg with a uh, spatula while she was frying bacon, mm. and, like hot grease. <laughs> Ouch. Yeah. Um, God, these are awful stories. <laughs> Again, Parenting. You yeah, yeah, you get used to this shit. Like, you don't think of it that way. You're like, oh, this is just my life. And then it festers mm. for 30 years. And then you, you know. But again, that's that's the trauma, right? Yeah. Like we don't talk about the trauma. Yeah. And it, it's something that you start normalizing the trauma. Yeah. And so I, tr- you know, I really try to manage my temper with my kids mm-hmm. as yeah. a result of it. That's one reason. And I'm not going to get into this. This isn't the topic of this podcast. But one reason I personally don't spank my children is I have never had the urge to spank them because I thought they needed it. It's because I was angry and wanted to hit them. Yeah. And I think Mm, I get that. And and so I never will. I will never spank my kids because that is the wrong reason. That's why my grandmother beat the shit out of us. Um, You know, I think that's the reason a lot of parents lay hands on kids. Yeah. And and they, they justify it after the fact. They're like, well, he's being a little shit. You know, I, I had to teach him a lesson and that's a good way to teach him a lesson and blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, you were angry and you wanted to hit something. Yeah. And you chose your child. Yep. Um, so that's that. But, you know, talking about like you were talking about the uh, gentle parenting. One thing I never got as a child that I'm very cognizant of with my kids is to apologize to them. Amen. Oh, dude. Amen. If no one apologizes. Yeah. Yeah. Because I'm not saying I never blow up on my kids. Yeah. Like, I try not to, but there are sometimes I do. And when I do, I come back to them later and I'm like, hey, I'm sorry. Daddy was having a bad day. Um, you guys were doing this, this, and this, and it compounded that, but I shouldn't have blown up on you, and I'm sorry for that. That's I think that's one of the biggest yeah. things you can do. And also, you know, I mean, things happen. You try not to have quarrels or arguments with your partner in front of your kids. But they're going to happen. But they're going to happen, sure. and, and, and it's so important, I think, to make sure that you repair in front of your children yeah. and that they see – both of you taking turns on on apologizing and they see like mm-hmm. mommy apologize and daddy apologize and we hug and and everything's okay you know like it's so important just little things like that that you know god god bless them like i mean i never saw my parents <coughs> fight though mm-hmm. and and i mean in fairness like i never saw they would go on drives i learned later <laughs> like when did you when did y'all fight like we went on drives ah. and your sisters watched you but see like, you know like on one hand, that seems like a good thing, but on the other hand, you never saw conflict. Then resolution. I didn't see conflict, and I didn't see how you handle it yeah. exactly. Yeah, well, you didn't see your parents being human. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like being yeah. human, and like it's bare as for like needing to apologize or needing to be apologized to. Yeah, right. Like it, it, understanding that anger happens, and it's not necessarily connected to anything you did, but like outside sources can cause your parents to react in a way that will impact you. 
And you have to be aware of that. Like as a child, it's it, it's it's the equivalent of like of empathy. You can teach your child empathy by being a human being in front of them. But if instead what you do is you wall all that off from them and you say they do, they can't see us fight, they can't see us, you know, any of that. They, they I can I will never say I'm sorry to my kids because I'm the authority figure and no matter what I do has to be, you know, like penultimate. It, like all that does is create a uh, uh, a human being that doesn't think about other people. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 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 Because they don't they don't they can't equate emotion to other people because we won't show it. Enjoying Batshit? Please like, subscribe, and share it on social media. If you have someone you think may need to hear it, we encourage you to share it with them and to start your own conversation about mental health. Well, and that's especially, I think, important when we're talking about struggling with mental illness. Mm. Um, my, my kids, I've, I've been open. They, they know I have something. Like, they don't know all the particulars. Sure. Um, they know I have something. They know I'm dealing with it. And um, because how did especially. You present, how did you present that to them? Yeah. So when I first started going on Lamotrigine, one side effect that I experienced the first two times. So when I first went on it, I was at 25 milligrams. And then when I upped my dose to 50 milligrams, I experienced it again, was a period of about two weeks of irritability. So I was blowing up at them for like stupid shit and then apologizing for it. And then so finally I set them down and I was like, you know, I, I'm, I'm sick. I've got this kind of like sickness in, in my brain and I have to take this medication for it. And, um, you know, it's, it's when I up my dose, it's going to make me irritable. I'm going to get mad easily, easily. And it's not you guys, you know? And so when that happens, I just want you to know that and I'm going to apologize to you for it. How did they respond? They were just like, okay, like we get it, um, you know, on whatever level that they got it. Well, I mean, they probably view then, it as an illness, like being sick. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's a good conversation. I mean, again, you don't want to get into the particulars. You don't want to be like, all right, kids, sit down. Let me talk to you about hypersexuality while I'm manic. <laughs> but, um, so when daddy's manic. <laughs> but, <laughs> so uh, so uh, had you guys heard of uh, escort services? <laughs> um, but uh, Brad. <laughs> Do we need to have a talk? <laughs> We're having a talk. Um, <laughs> Why we started this podcast? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> but um, they've also, after we started this, doing this podcast, you know, I would monkey around with it at home, and like, you know, when uh, you would send me the episodes and be like, "Oh, listen to this down," and blah blah blah. Like they would overhear me. Oh, and really? so, yeah, they were playing Fortnite one night, and uh, and I Beckett, my six year old, just <laughs> well, he was six at the time. <laughs> I just hear him go, uh, go. Welcome to bat shit. A frank <laughs> and funny discussion. <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah, it's great. Amazing. Yeah, uh, but uh, but yeah. So I think they they understand it to whatever degree that they understand mm-hmm. it. But I do think you know talking about bringing down the stigma around mental illness. I think that's a good thing. Like to let my let my kids treat it as though like I'm diabetic. Yeah. Like, Hey kids, I'm diabetic. Yeah. I got to take this yeah. insulin shot. Or What's yeah. wrong with that? Absolutely. You know? I, I mean, I, I struggle with that of like when I'm going to therapy, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And I mean, my kids don't know I go to therapy yet. And I, I think about that, like how I don't want to hide from them as I get older that, or as they get older, I don't want to hide that I'm going to a therapy appointment 
Because you don't want to stigmatize therapy. I don't want to stigmatize therapy. They've seen me take my Lexapro and they're like, mommy, what is that? And I've said, oh, it's my vitamins. And as I say it, I'm like, what am I doing? Mm-hmm. What am I doing? I, you know, but I also, I mean, this, uh, this is something I need to bring up to my therapist and ask her, like, how do I introduce this concept to them that, like, I am taking this medication, you know, because I, like you said, like, mommy's brain needs a little help. Like, right. I don't know, because I, I, I babysat a little girl once who was 11 years old. And she was on Zoloft and she called it her happy pills. And I, that stuck with me. And I didn't want that. I didn't want it to be like, oh, you can just take a pill to be happy. So I don't know. That's something. I'll I'll cross that bridge when it gets there. But it it kind of feels like a cop out sometimes taking medication. Like, honestly, I'll say it. Like, sometimes I don't want to take my meds because I feel like I am not trying hard enough. That, you know, and because, we, because we don't talk about it as an illness. Right, exactly. It's you know? not an illness. It's yeah. just a weakness I have. Yeah. And it's just a weakness I have. It's not a sickness I have. It's a weakness I have. So I'm not going to speak for you guys, but in a way, it's like showing your kids you're weak and showing your kids that it's not, it's like, it's okay to to, to be weak, right? And like, especially as men, like there is a, there's a certain amount of, um, I, I used to teach martial arts to kids between the ages of like, three and like 12 and there was something to be said about teaching these kids like look you're gonna get knocked back down you're gonna get knocked down get back up just get back up you can just get back up that giving in to falling down and being down is unacceptable because life is not gonna let you stay on the mat get up and sometimes when i take my meds i feel like you know i'm kind of giving up I'm kind of just staying on the mat because life's too hard. So the only way I can get back up is if someone literally picks me back up. And see, that that's is- funny because when I, I see uh, you taking your medication as getting back up, mm. I see that as the act of standing back up. Sure, like, yeah. you know, your brain's knocking you on the mat. Mm-hmm. And, and if you stayed on the mat, that would be, you know, like you said before, like watching video, playing video games and eating Taco Bell or whatever. That's staying on the mat. But then doing this, like Mm -hmm. going to therapy, taking your medication, like getting on top of your shit, that's getting back up. I guess for me, it's more the idea of like someone is helping me back up. And like, so, and not me doing it on my own. I think that's a better way of putting it. You know, that's interesting. Uh, You know, you were saying about, about getting back up is um, I wrote, I wrote a line the other day and something I was working on and it just kind of stuck with me. Um, it's, it's, it's kind of my mantra. Right? Oh, Brad, Brad's a writer, Brad's y'all, in case you didn't case know. I haven't mentioned it before. Brad's a writer. And an actor. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no actor, Brad. Back in your cage. Yeah, back in <laughs> Did somebody say my name? Pose him down! Um, so, uh, no, it was, um, we all stumble and we fall. The most we can expect from someone is not that they never stumble in the first place, but that they learn to stand again. Yeah. And well said. I I think that's very much true with this, you know, is we have to accept the fact, and this is difficult, but we have to accept the fact that that we've stumbled and we've fallen. It's not necessarily our fault. It's a quirk of brain chemistry. It's trauma that we went through. It's whatever the reasoning was, but we fell. Mm-hmm. And it's our job to do whatever we can to dust ourselves off and get back up on our feet. And that's whatever we can. And that includes the medication, you know, like you, you eat healthy. 
Like, do you feel like you're somehow giving up on like your physique because you're eating healthy? Like no. I should be able to just achieve this through a workout. Of course not. Yeah. Of course not. But yeah. you, you just don't frame it that way in your head. Because yeah. again, we have stigmas against Society. medication. Yeah, totally. Yeah. It's it's that whole idea of my mom when I was a kid never gave me medication unless I was dying. If I had a headache, I did not get aspirin. You know what I mean? If I had a stomach ache, you don't need Pepto Bismol. You'll be fine. Like, and and that was not her being cruel to me. That was her being like, "Look, you really don't need it. Just muscle through it." And you think back, and you're like, "That doesn't make any sense." It doesn't yeah. make any sense. Like, yeah. I I guess there's her attitude was something. To, I mean, I can't pretend to be in her headspace when she would do this. Because, again, I do not think she was being cruel to me. It's just how she viewed medication. It's how her parents treated yeah. her, those medications. And, like, all – so even now, me taking any sort of meds is crazy talk. It's like it's, it's just – it doesn't make sense to me. And I'm still grappling with it. And I always will. Yeah. Well, you know, you touched on something uh, in the um, perinatal postpartum episode, uh, episode, Maggie, about how um, how unmedicated childbirth has the misnomer of natural childbirth. Right, right. Mm-hmm. And I think that kind of extends to all this is we have this idea that there's a natural way to do things. Mm-hmm. Right. And that natural way involves like I should be able to do this without drugs, you know, without medication. Um, and what's funny is usually the people who will do that are like, yeah. And then this weekend I'm doing shrooms with my buddy. Um, uh, ayahuasca, man. This yeah. Ayahuasca. 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 <laughs> um, but yeah, so it's this this false idea of what is natural and what is not. Yeah. Um, you know, there's this uh, uh account that I followed online for a while. What was it called? The, the science science babe or something like that. It was like this. It was it was this uh, woman who was trying to debunk misconceptions about science. Oh, okay. And you know, there's all this shit, shit about like you know, uh, especially with the anti-vax stuff. It's like, oh man, you shouldn't take a vaccine. They put formaldehyde in oh, that. Oh god. And it's like there's more formaldehyde in a single pair. Like that is a natural. Just because it's a chemical. Right. Doesn't mean it's not naturally occurring. Um, and that's where most of our medication comes from, actually, is is herbs and um, plants and, uh, you know, the kernel spices. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, but they're a secret. <laughs> but, uh, you know, that's that's where all this medication originates. Right. Um, or, you know, some of it originates with chemicals that other animals produce that we don't, you know, things like that. Or chemicals that our body produce and you're just taking a higher dosage of it. Um, so... Technically, at the end of the day, all of it's natural. But there's this whole, you know, natural hippy dippy bullshit movement where mm-hmm. it's like you shouldn't take any of that stuff. You know, you shouldn't eat this. You shouldn't eat that. Yeah. Yada, well, yada. guess what? We don't have. Well, you you were talking about this before Maggie came over. Uh, it's apples from the eighties are seventy five percent. Oh what yeah. Was it? yeah. What was so the the, uh, the FDA tracks the amount of nutrients that's yeah, in food, that's they, what it was. and they've been doing this for like fifty years. So every couple of years, they'll you know take a bunch of whatever. They'll be like, what are the nutrients in this? And apples today have something like 75% less nutrients than they did in the 80s. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And so if you're sitting there going, I can get everything I need from an apple. I'm like, nah, you nah. can't. Yeah. You can't. Not anymore. Sorry, bro. Like, there's a reason people take vitamins every damn day. Yeah. yeah. Well, Adam, let me ask you something. Going back, let's go going back to the parenting thing. What mm-hmm. are some of your, when you say that y'all are talking about it, like mm-hmm. what are some of your concerns? Like what, what's the top thing that 
You want to head off at the pass. Um, well, uh, <laughs> honestly, one of my biggest fears is that my kid will end up like me. Honestly, like start to finish, I, I worry that my kid will be like me. Not that I'm a bad person. So much like as you it, as in bipolar or like you and just all of the what about the great things about I don't know you. No, that's fair. But uh, I have to assume <laughs> I have to assume that you've got great things about you. So I, uh, what So I um I I guess it's the bipolar. Like okay. I don't I I still don't feel healthy. Mm-hmm. 9 times out of 10. 9 days out of 10 I don't feel 100% healthy. And I am someone who is a fixer. So if I see a problem, like You're I don't, a man, I'm so a man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if I have a problem, I want to fix it. I want. I will. I will eat better. I will exercise more. I will, you know, take vitamins, whatever. Take the meds I want. I need to take to feel better. And that's what I constantly am striving towards. And I haven't found it yet. So right now, I'm thinking about bringing another life into this world when I am not at 100%. How will that child be in terms of their wellness? And will my weak, not weakness, it's not weakness, will my illness affect being able to treat whatever illness they may develop? That's my biggest, I think that's the biggest, I, I won't be enough. I think that's my biggest fear. Can I give you uh, a little hint? Sure. I think every parent worries that they're not going to be enough, whether or not they have bipolar or not. Sure. If that gives you any consolation. (laughs) (laughs) But you know what? The simple act, the simple fact that you are asking that means you will be. And, you know, I I think so many people, mm -hmm. like when, when I first got diagnosed, I was saying this to Shannon, is like, you know, I worry... I worry that I'm not a good dad and that I'm not going to be a good dad. Mm. And of course, I'm a fucking phenomenal Amazing dad. Yeah, let's get Amazing that. dad. He's uh, a good dad, guys. I've seen, him, I've seen him in action. He's pretty good. He's pretty impressive. He's pretty good. Yeah, one of his kids came back in the mail the other day. And like, <laughs> he's kind of taking him back into the house. I mean, not all the way back yeah. in the house. But. He's not potty trained. Yeah, no, no. He's uh, assimilating. <laughs> um, no, but, uh, you know, she she had said to me, the simple fact that you're asking that question means that you are. Because I think that the people who are bad at it don't give it enough thought, mm. you know? <laughs> well, I mean, that's a huge part of it, right? It's that whole being self-aware, knowing that some things, knowing that you're sick and need to take medication, yeah. you know, n- knowing that I'm out of shape, I need to get back into shape. Wh- whatever it may be, being self-aware of who you are and what's going on with you is paramount to raising a, a, a an actual baby or a fur baby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and I mean, I am sure there are people listening to this podcast that are unsure of the quality of their parentage. Of course. Right? Like, there are people out there that are worried that they're not doing a good enough job, let alone what kind of job was done to them. Right. And, I mean, as three different people that have been through three different things, what I will say is that we are doing the best we can to be aware of our faults and hopefully not pass those faults on to the next generation. But we're also aware that we do have faults. And that's okay. And we can't control what is going to be passed on to our kids. Mm-hmm. 
you know, whether it's bipolar or whether it's uh, like a physical malady. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like we can't control, you can't control it. Right. And, and I hope, I hope you find a place where you, you, you come to peace with that, that like you can't control it. And, and there's a lot to be gained from, from becoming a parent that. Mm. Yeah. And, and the simple, as scary as it is. <laughs> and the simple fact of the matter is we're all going to fuck up our kids. Oh yeah. 100%. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's a question of how we fuck them up and to what degree. Right. <laughs> you know? And so. Well, and you know what? Can we provide them the tools to help when they are fucked up? You know what I mean? I think, yeah. You know, one thing that I, I've been thinking about a lot, especially because my six-year-old is starting to talk back. He's starting to get attitude. Um, He's starting to get that like teenagery vibe backwards sometimes. Hat, and it happened. Yeah. He smokes a lot. Yeah. yeah. Damn it. <laughs> Hanging out with one of Brad's in my street face. <laughs> um, no, but like today, for instance, like, I, and I'm trying to come at it from a completely different place that, like, like for instance, today we were at Travel Town, which is a little train museum. And. My son wanted to buy a gift in the gift shop. And I said, no, because we we have to start learning to go places without buying things. And um, it, we, I, we let him go. I let him go through the gift shop. He wanted to buy a train. I said, no, I told you we weren't going to buy anything. So he got mad at me. And he was walking. He was shuffling his feet. And he crossed his arms. He was <laughs> sticking his tongue out at me. And I was like, ooh. You're asking for it. And I just like, you know, I just walked. I, I said, you can be mad. That's fine. You can be mad. And we went to the car and he was so mad at me. And we got in the car and he's sticking his tongue out at me. And like my, 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 tr- like it triggered me because like I went into, you know, that 80s parenting style where I wanted to be like, you don't talk to me like that. You don't stick your tongue out at me. You don't disrespect me. Like, I wanted to go there and I was like, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I was like, do it again. Stick to my face. He sticks his tongue out and I grabbed his tongue. <laughs> and we made a joke out of it, you know? And, and, and we got in the car and he was still mad at me. And, and I, I said, you know, I said, you can be mad at me, but there's nothing you can say. There's nothing you can do that won't make me love you. And he was like, even if I say I hate you, and I was like, I will still love you. And he like went through all these scenarios. And right. I was like, I will still love you. I will still love you. I will still love you. And I, I and I, I'm trying to play with that that theory. Like, it's not our job to like be mean to our children and only discipline them all the time. Like, our job yeah. is to show them what unconditional love looks like. Yeah. He's six. He's not abusing me. He's six. I'm going to show you what unconditional love looks like. Now, if he was, you know, my spouse and sticking his tongue out at me and talking (laughs) back at me, then that would be like a form of emotional abuse. You'd you'd be in with a shoe. He's six. You know, he doesn't know any better. And I need to show him what unconditional love looks like so that when he gets older, he knows how to look for it in a partner. Yeah. And that's where I have like hung my hat lately and, and also trying. children children are smart they're resilient they can be independent if you let them and you teach them how to be 
Um, and so I think, I think our primary jobs as parents is you make sure that they know that they're loved and that they're safe. Mm-hmm. And if they know they're loved and they're safe, I feel like so much of the other shit's just going to fall into place on its own. Yeah. 100%. You know? um, and that's something, like you said, our parents' generation, there was this idea. It was like a power struggle sure. with, with people and their children. You still see that a lot is like, like this idea of like trying to establish dominance or something. And it's like, what the fuck is wrong with you that you feel like you need to establish dominance over a six year old. There's also that whole idea. And I meant to say this to you kudos for you for saying you're allowed to feel angry. Oh, I'm big on that because I mean, that's something that I think a lot of us, especially as kids didn't have was validation of our feelings. So I am real big about validating their ugly feelings right. like it I think is that's, okay yeah and it's fine and it's good because you have to be able to understand what that feeling feels like as opposed to repressing it or shoving it down and saying oh i can't feel this way no i can't feel this way because yeah. eventually you're gonna feel that way to the point where you can't control it anymore and then something terrible is going to happen well and you talk about you know the worries with having mental illness and having a child is you know if you're if you're doing those things if you're bottling it up if you're repressing it you're modeling the bad parts of your behavior toward them. Yep. You know, they're, they're going to see that side of you. You know, they're not going to see what you want them to see. They're going to grow up one day and be like, daddy was crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Daddy drank. (laughs) It's a kids in the hall reference for you. Um, (laughs) Yeah. You know, I had a, uh, had a friend got in a big fight with while I was manic and just something that like has stuck in my head and has actually made me a better father is uh, they told me that one day my kids would hate me. And um, that's always there now, like when I'm interacting with my children. And it's kind of like, instead of being something where I'm like, oh God, like that's depressing. Um, it's like a call to action for me. Amen. Nice. You know, it's like, no, no, they're not. I'm going to make sure they're not. I'm going to be the kind of man that they deserve as a father. And, you know, if they hate me, it won't be because I abandoned them. It won't be because I didn't love them. It won't be because I tried to model good behavior for them. It will be because I squandered their savings. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) Uh, Your money's in Vegas, children. (laughs) It's an investment of sorts. You guys want to go to college? The, the. Uh, the Tropicana. <laughs> Hurrah. Go talk to Gus. <laughs> See what you can do. <laughs> Look, I'm sure that everyone listening to this has all sorts of concerns, fears, stories about how they feel they are succeeding or failing at being parents. And one of the cool things about uh, podcasts that I just learned today from Brad, because again, we're still learning how to do this, is that you can um, leave comments leave messages about what you're going through. And I personally would love to hear from parents or people who are thinking of becoming parents who may have uh, a mental illness, whatever the diagnosis might be. Um, or if your parent had a mental illness, right. how that affected your child. Yeah, I, I'd love to hear it because, again, all it will do, if you post that in our comments, someone might see that. And that might give someone else the courage to post something, which is, again, it's just going to start this conversation and keep it moving, which is all we're looking to do. Yeah. So please, if if there is a parent who is struggling uh, in your life, share this podcast with them. 
You know what I mean? Please let them know that there are, there are parents out there. There are parents to be out there. There are parents who might be out there who are having the same feelings they are. So please, you know. And being mentally ill does not disqualify you from being a parent. There is no reason that you cannot love and care for your child just as much as long as you get the help that you need. Exactly. Like, like you both said, there's nothing wrong with taking help getting back up off the mat. Right. The only the only true crime is staying down on that mat, yeah. but giving up. There's no giving up, especially if you know you're you're a parent. You can't give up. <laughs> oh no. You'd said something before we we clock out here, Adam. Uh, uh, you'd said something earlier before we started recording uh, about people who go off their meds mm. and they they think that oh well you know I'm I'm doing well now, and they think that they've gotten over it. They're doing well because of their medication. Right, but then they they go off their medication because they think, oh well, I don't want to be on medication my whole life. And how do you equated it? To oh, I equated it to coffee. Yeah. I equated it like if there are people. If I were to say to you, look, you get up every morning and you have energy to go through the day because you have a cup of coffee. And if all of a sudden you're like, wow, I'm doing great because I have a cup of coffee every morning, and I took that coffee away from you, and you were no longer doing good in the morning. You'd be like, what the fuck, man? Give me back my coffee. <laughs> There's no moment where you would be like, I just got to, nope, I'm just, I'm just going to, nope. But with medication, like, it's the same thing. Like, the only way sometimes people can get through that day and still feel good is being on that med. And there's nothing wrong with that. And that's especially important if you have children. Yeah. You want to be the best version of yourself for those kids. Yeah. And if that requires medication and therapy, then it does. And you know what? Man up, woman up, and do it. <laughs> because those those little bastards in your household, they love you and they need it. Yeah. Maggie, thank you so much again. Thank you. You're so much fun to talk to. This is fun. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. You got to come back. Yeah. More. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, know I just said this like 40 minutes ago, but I love you, Maggie. <laughs> love you. <laughs> I think that should just be our general out all the time. You can just come back and just say that. <laughs> love you.